Welcome to the Outside Right podcast. Welcome to the Football Travel Podcast. I'm editor Chris Lee and coming up in this episode. In December of 1889, he uh, called for a meeting at which uh, the Recreativo Huelva was born. We learn about Spain's first football club, Recreativo de Huelva, from a direct descendant of the club's founder. It's funny talking to Italians and you tell them the prices in the Premier League and they're completely outraged that, mm. you know, that would charge that much for a ticket. And we speak to Italian football writer Chloe Beresford about ground hopping in Italy. Before we go into the first interview, a quick request that if you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review on iTunes. It will help others discover the podcast. And now, on with the show. The Outside Right podcast. So, not many people may know this, but the very first team in Spain was called Recreativo de Huelva from the south uh, in Andalusia. One of the descendants of the Scottish founder, William Alexander Mackay, is joining us on the show now. Charlotte Mackay, welcome. Hello, thanks. Thanks for coming on. It's a fascinating topic we've got it covered in, in, in the website as well, which I'll link to in this piece. But briefly introduce yourself to us. Okay. Um, so I'm Charlotte Mackay. Um, I am the great-granddaughter of William Alexander Mackay, who founded the first football team in Spain, Recreativo Huelva. Um, I am currently the UK ambassador for the club as well. Um, so I yeah, just kind of try to keep uh, up to date with current affairs and things, uh, get involved with the club as much as I can at the moment. And there's been quite a bit of that recently, which we'll come yes. to. Vector Ativo de Huelva is a team that many may not be aware of. Where is Huelva and what league does Recreo play in? Right, well, um, Huelva's actually in Andalusia. Um, it's a province as well as a city. Um, it's not very, sort of, people don't seem to really know <laughs> much about it when, you, when no. they first hear about it. It's in the southwest coast of Spain, so in the Costa de la Luz, um, about an hour away from Seville as well. So um, it's a beautiful place. I really recommend going because it's a complete gem of a city. Um, Recre is currently playing in the second B league, which is kind of, it's, I would say it's equivalent to kind of the third. Um, there's La Liga, which is obviously the first division, then there's second, and then there's the second B, which is the team that, sorry, the league that Recre are currently playing in. Um, they were previously um, in the top league in Spain at one point, though, so they have played against uh, teams like Real, which has been really great. And they famously won there not so long ago. Is it 2006 or something a long time ago? Yes, like a... yeah, it was around then. Yeah, I think they beat. I think it was when uh, Beckham was playing as well. So <laughs> that was a uh, yeah, quite a good moment then. Absolutely. Yes, that was in the early 2000s. So. As we mentioned, Recre is the oldest team in Spain. So what's yeah, the story of yeah. how your great-grandfather um, got involved? So he was uh, a doctor in Scotland at the time. Um, he practiced medicine in Scotland. Um, and he had a call from his brother, who was already in Welver working for a company called the Rio Tinto Mining Company. Um, and he called him, uh, pretty much asking him to join him out there, as there was quite a lot of illness amongst the uh, sort of employees working for that company at the time. Um, so he went out there immediately. He dropped everything and, and went to help. Um, and uh, so football um, was initially uh, played by the sailors at the time who transported the produce from the mines. Um, my great-grandfather then, uh, he was obviously brought up in Scotland uh, with the understanding that football can actually, or sport in general, can actually play quite a good role in recuperation from illness. He had this kind of medical interest in sport um, and started thinking about how he could incorporate that into his sort of work as well. Um, so he basically founded the Recreation Club, which consisted of not just football, but tennis and cricket as well. 
um, again with the idea of kind of relating it back to the recuperation of illnesses um, and they started organizing matches and from there um, it kind of grew I mean it was initially played amongst the, the English and the people the employees of the the mining company but when they'd have like a shortage in players uh, they would obviously invite Spanish to come in and play um, so that it slowly became kind of you know they started building links between the two um, and eventually in uh, 1889 in December of 1889 he uh, called for a meeting um, at which uh, the Recreative Revival was born um, so they decided then to actually set up an official club solely for the football so he wrote to the King of Spain as well to formally ask him to be honorary president of the club um, and to subsequently make the club uh, royal, hence the name Real Recreativo de Huelva. And um, you're not on the first iteration of a stadium, are you? The Colombino's quite big, but there have been others? Yeah, yeah, there have, absolutely, yeah. There's been a few other stadiums. Um, the first one, uh, well, the first president, Charles Adams of the club, and my great-grandfather, um, they kind of oversaw and made plans for the construction of the first football stadium, because uh, obviously at that time there wasn't really such a thing um, after football had so recently introduced. Um, so that was the first, it was called the, the Velodromo, so it was like the first sort of velodrome. Um, which has now been replaced by the current one. So what's Huelva like as a place? Do you recommend a visit? Absolutely, yeah. Huelva is, um, to be completely honest, my favourite place in the whole world. <laughs> and I'm not biased. <laughs> um, I would absolutely recommend it. It's full of history as well. Um, it's one of those places that when you say Huelva, people don't tend to kind of know where it is. Um, but once you go, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's got beaches, it's got uh, mountains, it's got countryside, it has a little bit of everything. Um, and there's a lot of kind of Roman history there as well, um, a lot of Moorish. And also uh, Christopher Columbus set sail from Welva. Being where they are then, I t- uh, their local rivals, I guess, are Sevilla is the oldest one, isn't it? Um, but is yeah. it Cadiz and Betis? Are they, these are the local guys? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think, there's, I think Seville is kind of the largest you know, kind of us against them <laughs> sort of vibe going on. What does the future hold for Recre? Then? I know there is a plan in place to obviously kind of get the Recre back up to one of the high leagues, um, obviously with the best outcome being in La Liga again. What we do know, obviously, is that we have been there before. We can get there again. Well, there's a huge fan base of Vuelva, of Recreativa Vuelva, which I'm sure you're aware of. I think people are so... They know about the history. They're very well informed about the club and um, the locals out there, and they really feel passion for their team. Um, and they, I mean, currently, I think this year they, they've already got something like 10,000 um, season ticket holders going already. It's only been a, a very short time yeah. um, since the season started. So they're really pushing um, and kind of getting, you know, spreading the word about the club. Um, so hopefully, yeah, we just need to get some points going and uh, keep going. I think there's a, a much uh, better structured plan in place now as well and also I think um, kind of trying to build bridges internationally as well trying to get the word out there about the origin of football about how that's all tied in with Welver itself. It's a fascinating one obviously we know that Spain went on to bigger and greater things um, yeah, the World yeah. Cup and two year, three Euros sorry I should say and um, <clears throat> probably the, the most successful club in the world in Real Madrid so fascinating and they've got all Recre to thank. Yeah. yeah. Where can people connect with you online then? Okay, um, well, myself personally, I tend to use Twitter um, as my main sort of platform for connecting keeping up, and keeping up to date with 
you know, football-related matters. Um, my Twitter is uh, Shalumak, which is kind of an abbreviation of my my name, <laughs> including my middle name, um, which is C-H-A-L-O-U-M-A-C. Um, RecreativoWelva.com is the official website of the football club. Um, but the Recre also have uh, their own Twitter feed and they also have an English feed as well, which would be great for English listeners, anyone who isn't quite familiar with Spanish. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Charlotte. That's fascinating. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. The Outside Right podcast. I'm joined by the football writer, Chloe Beresford. Welcome, Chloe. Thank you very much. Um, do you want to briefly introduce yourself and who you write for, etc.? Yeah, um, I'm an Italian football writer. Um, I write for uh, Gentleman Ultra, The Sportsman and Football Italia, among others. Brilliant. And uh, what is your connection with Calcio? Uh, it's quite an interesting story, actually. Um, my great grandfather um, was a sort of uh, a bit part player for Manchester City, mm. um, and after they'd won the, the FA Cup in 1934, they went on a post-season tour, um, and he stood in for one of the players that was a regular first teamer, and he played against Fiorentina in the Stadio Temio Franchi, mm. and some of the Italy World Cup players were watching on the sidelines, and he actually scored a goal. So um, my dad initially went over to Fiorentina to go and see where his grandfather had played. Uh, and then I joined him on a subsequent trip and we've made friends and we just keep going back, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Fiorentina is your team in Italy then, I think? Yes, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And we're here to talk about ground hopping tips because obviously I imagine a lot of people, especially of a certain age, remember Gazzetta Football Italia, which has kind of introduced yeah. Italian football to a lot of us. I guess a lot of us sort of try to engage in, in going on ground hopping trips to Italy. If you don't speak the language, it could be difficult. So what are your ground hopping tips for Italy? Um, well, if you if you get the timing of the fixtures right um, with midweek rounds and European games, you can actually get quite a lot of games in on a short trip. Mm. Um, I went back in September for just under three weeks uh, and managed to see eight games in total Um just because of purely because of the timing so that that's one tip is to look ahead at the fixtures and and see how many you can get in and the train travel is is quite easy and it's not too expensive the trains are fast so even traveling you know from say Turin to Florence is is less than three hours so it's it's really excellent in that respect they do sometimes take a while to flex the fixtures so you don't always know when in the weekend they're going to play until quite close to the time so sometimes you have to book a little bit for a little bit longer to make sure that you're going to get to see the game that you want to see okay and um there is the whole question of id cards isn't there um so when you're yeah. booking online for example i remember i had to sort of had to give my passport details before and they do check them at the entry and that's a security thing if I'm not mistaken because of hooliganism yeah it's it's my number one tip for Italian matches you have to take your passport to the stadium if you don't have it with you you won't be admitted so it's really really important to make sure you take it with you they do have supporters cards for the fans that live there um, and if you want to watch your team play an away match you will need one yourself um, and you can apply to the club for those. There isn't a great deal of away fans in, in a lot of Italian matches. Though. Is that due to the distance or just um, is it not part of the, the culture? Um, sometimes um, sometimes it's the distance, but sometimes uh, certain fans are not allowed to travel to certain matches. Like I think Napoli weren't allowed to go to Juventus last season, for example. Oh, really um, it, just because of crowd trouble and problems in the past. 
it depends on the fixture, but they, they can be quite a lot of away fans. It just it really does just depend. And getting hold of tickets in the first place, I always kind of perceived, I thought, oh, going to AC Milan would be a bit of a tr- trouble, actually. Do you know what? It's an 85,000 whatever stadium, and I was, there was only 23,000 people there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no trouble at all um, getting a ticket. And it, how often do they sell out? Is it only the derbies that really do? Yeah, um, maybe the Inter-Juve game would be um, another one. If it, a big against big teams, they may well sell out. But certainly, I went to um, Milan Fiorentina, and there were probably twenty five thousand. That was all. So yeah, it, yeah it, it just depends on the fixture. But more and more are doing them online now. But as with all things Italian, there's quite often a lot of red tape. So mm. you just have to see how you get on, really. So, so it varies from club to club. What sort yeah. of price should we be expecting to pay for a ticket in Serie A? Um, they, they are reasonably cheap. Um, usually around €25 Euros for a ticket. It, it, it's funny talking to Italians and you tell them the prices in the Premier League and they're completely outraged that mm. you know they would charge that much for a ticket. I went to see uh, Fiorentina Sevilla in the uh, Europa League semi-final and they were doing a special promotion and the ticket was €7, Euros, which was just crazy for, for a European semi-final. So in terms of good experiences and obviously Fiorentina is your team yeah is that one of the better experiences in Italy or do you think there's there's others out there um there, there are others Fiorentina is a, always a good atmosphere especially if you go sit in the curve of Fiesole but um the the big games I went to Inter versus Juve and that that was great because the stadium was full and they do the choreography mm. um Genoa or Sampdoria is definitely a good one to go mm, to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're lucky enough to go to that derby, that you know the, the atmosphere there is always fantastic. Um, and also, if you can get to see any smaller teams, um, there's a team I go to in Florence called CS Loboski, and they're a really tiny team, but <laughs> it's just amazing when you go. The, you know, the, the fans are just brilliant. So that, that's always a, a good thing to do as well. Mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head there with Genoa. I think probably because the Luigi Ferraris, the stadium is it's kind of like a very English-style stadium, isn't it? Some four yeah. corners. Um, and it's kind of boxed in, and, and especially at the night game, you get a really good atmosphere. Um, whereas yeah. a lot of them are kind of multifunctional stadia with um, tracks around the edge. And I, I wrote a blog post for the Gentleman Ultra about the old Della Alpi stadium at um, mm. Juve, which was absolutely terrible. It only lasted 16 years anyway. Um, yeah. but, because you couldn't see anything, you're, you know, <laughs> miles away from the pitch. Um, so, in terms of that, best atmospheres, you're saying sort of maybe tight and close grounds, derbies, perhaps yeah. night, night games, you get the full value of the choreography of the. Yeah, you know, definitely the, night games are good. Yeah. Um, so how easy is it to get around then if you don't speak Italian? Is, is, is there quite a good level of English going around? Yeah, it's not too bad. And if you're at the train station, the, the announcements are Italian and English. So it's not too bad in that respect. Um, the, the best thing I would say is do your research beforehand. So it, it makes it easier then to get around. And if you um, if you get stuck, you, you've already got the information there in front of you and you're not having to ask a lot of people um that may not speak English as, as to what you're doing. I, I always plan my trips ahead. So 
What about the lower league Serie B, Serie J? Are there any sort of lower league out of Serie A that you would recommend going to? Um, I would say uh, Empoli, from my experience, close mm. to Fiorentina. Uh, they've, they've just gone down into Serie B and uh, that that would be something really different. They've got kind of temporary stands and stuff. But any any small team like that would be a good atmosphere. I know that um, Crotone, they're actually still in Serie A. They've just mm. stayed up. But their, their games, they just just looked amazing. I need to get there this season. <laughs> they just they, they just sung for ninety minutes, and it was really really good. So yeah. Now, one of the best football books I've ever read is a season with Verona by Tim Parks, and obviously another great overview for Italian football's culture by John Foot. Are there any other recommended reading book that that would be Italian groundhoppers should take with them on their plane? Um, if they're interested in Juventus, then Adam Digby's written the definitive history of of that side and. Mm-hmm. There is also one by Dominic Bliss that's about the Grande Torino team that were killed in the plane crash that I would definitely recommend those for taking with you on your trip. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Chloe, for your time. Where can people connect with you online? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Chloe J. Beresford. And I do have a Facebook page where you can just search for my name or I think it's at Calcio by Chloe on there as well. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us, Chloe. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. There are loads more football travel guides and history over on Outside Right. That's W-R-I-T-E dot com. And do please connect with us on social media. We're at Outside Right on Twitter and look for Outside Right on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time. Goodbye.